0: On Tuesday night, our colleague Jacob Gallagher, who covers fashion, went to a Louis Vuitton event in Miami. This event was a fashion show, but it also became an impromptu memorial for the man who designed the collection, Virgil Abloh. He died at the age of 41 just days earlier. With the news of his death, A-list celebrities flew in from
1: all over. Kanye West was there. Kim Kardashian West was there. You know, there was Pharrell sitting next to Kanye, DJ Khaled, rappers like 21 Savage and Gunna. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner were there. It was really a kind of mind-boggling roster of celebrities.
0: And in recent days, tributes to ABLO have been pouring in, like from LeBron James.
1: You know, Virgil you know, what, what he brought to the table, his flair, his style, his swag. You see, you on know, the bodies of a lot of people, you know, a guy like that's legacy will live on, so.
0: And Idris Elba.
1: The fashion industry, we lost an icon. And the world, we lost a very, very special human being.
0: Abloh was artistic director of menswear at Louis Vuitton. He was the first Black American to hold the top creative role at a major luxury label. And through his career, he challenged the fashion industry to take Black style more seriously.
1: Virgil Abloh was probably the designer that was best at translating street fashion into high fashion. Like, people think of fashion, they think of, like, intense hand-sewn dresses, and they think of, like, people toiling away at, like, one particular suit— and what Virgil's interpretation of fashion was, was taking hoodies and t-shirts and sneakers and really elevating them as being high fashion items. You saw the male wardrobe evolve from being brown leather dress shoes to, you know, tribe-colored, multi-paneled sneakers and these sweatshirts with references to Caravaggio and this kind of swirling cultural stew. That was his work.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, December 3rd. Coming up on the show, Virgil Abloh and his legacy as the first Black American to rise to the top of the global fashion industry. It can be hard to see the challenges the people we work with are facing. Addressing these invisible struggles can make us and our companies healthier. Join Holly Robinson-Pete on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Virgil Abloh was born in northern Illinois to parents who emigrated from Ghana. And he spoke about how straddling two worlds shaped his work.
2: My story starts from immigrant parents from Ghana and West Africa. Unlike the will of my dad making it to America, was I afforded, like, the range of options opposite from a third-world country. Like, when you go back home, you jump over an open gutter. That sensibility of reality realizes that just by nature of where you were born gives you your access point to make things or think things in the luxuries of the world. So for me, that is at the source of the DNA of my work. Another critical...
0: Abloh studied civil engineering and architecture, but he was always interested in fashion. In the late 2000s, he opened a small boutique in Chicago and designed graphic T-shirts. And around 2009, Abloh caught the attention of the rapper Kanye West, who hired him.
1: Here's Jacob. The truth is, is that Kanye just took a chance on a lot of people back then. There's a lot of random people that worked for Kanye West, like kids from Yale that got hired by Kanye to like shop for him. Kanye just like brought a lot of people into his world. I think Virgil was probably distinct in that he made hay quickly there and then he did kind of move on and make a name independently. By 2012, he had his own clothing line and, and he was standing on his own.
0: Abloh's first foray into fashion was a line called Pyrex Vision. It sold mesh gym shorts and hoodies printed with graphic designs for hundreds of dollars each. Items that didn't usually get such a high price tag.
1: The fashion world has looked down on certain garments. You know, they've looked down on hoodies. They've looked down on T-shirts. They've looked down on sportswear. Things that traditionally, if we're being honest, were cornerstones of black style. And... Virgil was not the first designer to do this, but he was probably the most notable designer of the past few years to take those staples seriously and to treat them as things that could be made at a very high level, that could have price tags that you know are more than some people's rent that belonged on the runway.
0: But Pyrex Vision's clothes weren't just expensive. They were also controversial. For example, his buzziest product, Was a shirt printed with his signature graphic designs, but he hadn't actually made the shirts himself.
1: They were flannels that he had purchased that were made by Ralph Lauren's rugby line. They were actually on sale for $36 that Virgil resold at like $600. There was a lot of talk about like inflation and, you know, marking them up. And was this really design? Was this really just like him riding the hype wave? But the joke was on everyone that talked about that because these flannels sold out and they became incredibly coveted.
0: What statement was Ablo making with this, taking on-sale Ralph Lauren flannels and creating fashion out of them?
1: It's interesting because one of his design ethoses was to tweak things by about three percent. You take an original item and you manipulate it by around three percent. However, he saw that and then it was something new.
2: I was only interested in restraining myself and only editing it three percent because I don't want another shoe. I, I want to see something that makes me recognize the shoe that I already have.
1: You could say these flannels were manipulated probably more than 3%. They had huge printing on the back. But it was, from the jump, it, it was an execution of what he saw as kind of his approach to fashion design. He took something every day, something anyone could have walked into a store and buy. He put his hand on it. It was a huge item.
0: Abloh also made a splash with his next project, a brand called Off-White that he launched in 2013.
1: So Off-White, early on, carried a lot of the attributes of Pyrex vision. There were a lot of hoodies that had very large graphic images, design features like these diagonal stripes that were reminiscent of a crosswalk. He had these quotation marks, which themselves were kind of a nod to the fact that people said he was always quoting somebody else. He kind of embraced that and
2: made it his own signature. Get used to it, because I'm going to keep using it. It's talking in quotes. It's basically humor, like a couple of people laughed. And that that's literally the point of that tool is to sort of insert humanity through conversation. You open up when you laugh.
1: That was where the brand started. And eventually it started showing on the runways in Milan and then in Paris. And he slowly built it up.
0: And at this point in Ablo's career, how was he seen in the world of high fashion
1: To be honest, I I think there were certainly critics who really sunk their teeth into him. There were those that really looked at him as someone who who shouldn't be taken seriously. There were Italian critics who savaged his shows. Robin Gavon, who's at the Washington Post, who's one of the most respected fashion critics in this business, she wrote very thoughtful but very critical takedowns of some of his collections.
0: But even the critics had to admit that people were buying what Ablo was
1: selling. His fans were legion, and I think, ultimately, fashion is a business and numbers don't lie, and you could walk down the street in Soho and see tons of people wearing off-white on any given day.
0: Then, in 2017, Abloh really broke into the mainstream by teaming up with Nike. His first project took 10 iconic Nike sneakers and redesigned them. Nike had done sneaker collaborations with big celebrities before, but Jacob says Abloh's
1: designs went to a whole new level. Virgil, very truly leveraged nike's capacity and made sneakers that were unlike anything we'd seen i mean he took a jordan took the swoosh off and then stitched it back on and they were deconstructed they were reworked they were often grayed out the shoelaces said shoelace there were all these kind of inverted swooshes and things of that nature it looked bizarre and it kind of took sneakers i think to a different place
0: sneaker heads gushed over his shoes whenever new ones came out
1: I'm just, like, so excited for this. There it is in all its glory. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, it looks even better in person. I can't think of another person that has released that many Nikes that have resold for that many multiples of their retail price than Virgil did. I mean, Virgil had, particularly with sneakers, the Midas Touch.
0: The excitement around Ablo's Nike sneakers forced the fashion
1: industry to take note. What the Nike partnership did for Virgil, I think that that really propelled him into becoming a household name. Those shoes were so sought after. And even those who had never paid attention to an off white runway show, you know, you had teenagers all across America that wanted his dunks, that wanted his Jordans. And that really, I think, That's what made Virgil Abloh a bigger figure than any other fashion designer of this current moment.
0: Abloh had grown from an unknown Chicago creative to a renegade streetwear designer to a mainstream tastemaker. His next move would take him to the upper echelons of luxury fashion. It was a place no Black American had ever been before. That's after the break. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines. But are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our co-workers are dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. In 2018, a top job opened up at Louis Vuitton, the largest luxury fashion brand in the world. The label's head of menswear was leaving, and Louis Vuitton needed to find a replacement. And
1: it's Virgil. And it was a very savvy move in terms of where the Vuitton customer was going. We were watching the luxury consumer get younger. We were watching them, young men in particular, be more tuned in to, oh, I want a Gucci bag or, oh, I want Balenciaga sneakers. We were watching that happen in real time. And we were also watching a more traditional luxury consumer say, "Mm, less interested in suiting, less interested in wool top coats. I'm more interested in this limited bag, this limited jacket. And Virgil was kind of perfect to grab that customer's hand and take them to an even further level.
0: What was your reaction when you heard he'd been hired by Louis Vuitton?
1: I mean, I personally was surprised. It's a fast rise. People that know me will say, like, I at first was certainly a Virgil skeptic. Um, I I had my assumptions about what it would end up making Vuitton look like. And that Vuitton was going to look a this, this certain way where it was going to be, you know, instant commodification. It was going to be pumping out hoodies and pumping out sneakers. And then Virgil's first show comes and it's these incredible sweaters that show the scene from The Wizard of Oz where they're walking down the yellow brick road and it's these really dense top coats that have this drama to them and these full leg trousers. And it was, okay, this guy can do something that maybe we did not give him credit for, that maybe we had said, "Mm, you belong in this box. And he was saying, I can do something very different. You know, he was true to himself and to his lineage, but I think for that first one, he was saying... I want to defy the critics.
0: And so how did he do at Vuitton?
1: He took the brand to a different place and to a different consumer. And at this last show that just occurred on Tuesday night in Miami, I spoke to a lot of clients, and they were people that said, you know, if they were a Vuitton customer before, Virgil coming on, turbocharged their spending. Some of them were new to the brand and saw this vitality in it that they wanted within their own
2: wardrobe.
0: And when you say ABLO let Louis Vuitton reach a new kind of customer, who is that different customer?
1: I would say often that customer is younger. Let's, let's start there. They're, they're often younger. And I would also say... You know, certainly it was a lot of black shoppers that wanted to kind of get behind Virgil. He was the first and so far the only black American to be a creative director at a European luxury brand. And certainly people wanted to support him with their wallet. And you can look at the number of black athletes and black celebrities that really supported him and that – you know, I mean, I cannot think of another fashion designer that has been name-checked by name in rap songs than we Virgil.
2: Even
0: after joining Louis Vuitton, Abloh kept taking on more and more work, and he went
1: beyond the world of fashion. Virgil was also just a very good product designer. He was a very savvy marketer. He, you know, worked with Evian on reusable water bottles. He made Baccarat glassware. He had Levi's collaborations. He designed a car for Mercedes-Benz. He did all this stuff that was saying, my design language is what you want. My ability to connect with the youth, that's what you want. And Brands really wanted a piece of what he had. While Ablo was
0: expanding his work, he was also fighting cancer. He was diagnosed more than two years ago, but chose to keep his illness a secret.
1: I was speaking with one of the partners in the design studio who's done all of Virgil's Vuitton shows. And he was saying that up until this weekend, he was working and he expected Virgil to be there at the show on Tuesday night. I can't speak for him, but you can make the assumption that he didn't want people to think that he was lesser or that he was gonna have any diminished capacity. But in the past two years, he's done more than he ever had in in the years leading up to this.
0: What do you think his legacy is? He was a singular kind of character, a Black man at the top of a major European fashion house.
1: In terms of the high fashion world, I, I think Virgil has shown that this pathway that he came up, you know, not trained as a designer, Having a background that, you know, was much more interested in rap and skateboarding and, you know, this swirling stew of architecture and high art that you can kind of just be this cultural sponge. And that's probably what you want leading a fashion house on a broader level on kind of what he meant as a person. I like to say that Virgil kind of shattered expectations, that he shattered perceptions of where you can go. I've spoken to a lot of young people, and particularly I'll say young Black people in the past few days that have said things like, you know, he was the inspiration, he was Big Brother, he was kind of the template. I think that the tent has really been broadened in terms of who the industry says deserves a place within this industry, within this field, who, who should be taken seriously. And I think that's true for both people that are making clothes and people who are buying them.
0: That's all for today, Friday, December 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Annie Baxter, Katherine Brewer, Pia Godkari, Rachel Humphreys, Brendan Klinkenberg, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Kayla Stokes, and Annie Rose Strasser. This was Ricky's last week with us. Ricky... Thank you for all your hard work over the past two years. We will miss you a ton and wish you all the best in your next adventure. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapok. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Posulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.